This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and welcome to Energy Matters. We want to help you save money to use technology and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. In the studio with me, as always, my co-host, former state representative John Noel, Casey Boyce here today, the senior project director of market strategies, and James Marlowe, the founder of Radiant Solar. We're going to be talking in this in this episode about the future of solar in the U.S. and in Georgia. And James, I have to say that Germany and California certainly have paid the learning curve uh, for uh, for solar, and we're benefiting from that. You've been to Germany. All of us have been to Germany and looked at that. What have we learned from them, and and uh, and where are they going in the future? Well, there's there's innovation coming from all over the world. Um, California is still fifty um, percent of the U.S. solar market, and and California really is a different country. It's it's you know fourth or, or fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah. And they're embracing technology in, in ways that, that other places typically follow because they, they prove the economics, they show it can work. So California has recently, with the support of home builders and real estate people, enacted a 100% requirement for new home construction to include solar. Uh, they're, they're moving to a 100% renewable energy standard for the state, uh, as New York did this week. So we see innovation that's come from New Jersey. We've seen innovation in North Carolina, here in the southeast. So there's just an awful lot going on in this area that's giving our utilities more tools to work with. It's giving homeowners and business owners more options in the way that they choose to source their energy and to find savings and, and reduced environmental impact in doing so. I've heard some grumbling about that big government coming in and trying to tell me how to build a house and trying to tell me I have to put solar in my house uh, in California. All right, fair point. But... Um, is it not true that doing this from new construction, from the new construction point of view, drops the cost tremendously because you you have efficiencies of scale? And tell us about how much a typical cost you had to retrofit it on my house. How much does it cost to put in a new place? Well, when you're putting it in new home construction, you're typically doing it in a very system process. So you've got economies of scale and labor savings. You're buying the equipment in volume. You're typically building it in a community scale. So the reason it, it saw such strong support in California is that it was just a benefit to the homeowners. It was a benefit to people selling homes. It was a benefit to people building homes. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an expensive option that was a drag on the housing industry, it was something that, that was mm-hmm. going to make it better. And if yeah. you end up doing it up front, then you don't have to go back and rip out walls and run wires and things like that. When we did our house back in 2008, we, we renovated, we put in wiring for solar and an EV charger knowing they'd be you know happening down the road. Wow. And boy, I'm glad we did that because that saved us thousands of dollars and lots of disruption. Interesting. We, we call that making a building or a home solar ready. So a little bit go. like in the old day when you'd pre-wire speaker wires when you were building a house or, or whatever. But it's a, an intelligent thing to the do. Er, the, the only example in Georgia of, of stuff ready, solar or EV ready, is in Atlanta now. They just passed an ordinance requiring all new residential construction, and it may dive down into other areas, that be EV ready. That is that they have electrical connections to the garage where the cars would park and required to be heavier duty electrical and that's a very low-cost thing. So you're running wire and conduit before you pour concrete. So you're, you're doing something that has very minimal cost that, as you said, can save you thousands of dollars later on. So let's get back to uh, Germany and California. And in Germany in specific, there was a, a really cool project that I read about recently where um, there's a battery company that has a lot of homeowners with their system in Germany, and they're enabling what they call a virtual power plant. So homeowners kind of pool their battery together and they use it to offset demand at various points during the day. Is that something that you see coming to the U.S. at any time soon or, or Georgia more specifically? I, I think it will. The, you know, Benefits of a battery is that you can firm power, you can use reliability or off-grid capabilities, you can 
use energy at different times so that it's more affordable and it benefits the utility. So I think utilities will begin to see that this is a benefit to their systems and a way for them to save money as well. So there are many grid benefits to doing things like that that benefit the business, the home, or the utility. So what's the barrier? What's, what's stopping that from happening right now? Well, some of it is regulatory. You have um, utilities that you know, are focused on low cost and reliable and safe systems. And, you know, they're beginning to learn to incorporate new technologies, but they often want to do a little bit slower than entrepreneurs or business people like uh-huh. myself would like to see them do it. That things need to be moving a lot faster. What, what would you see? What would you like? Speaking of speed, what would you like to see? If you had a magic wand, what would you change today in Georgia in solar? Well, um, we're going through an integrated resource plan at the Public Service Commission, so I'd like to see us continue to do what we've been doing, which has been great policy by the Public Service Commission with leadership like Tim and Bubba McDonald and the work they've done, like Georgia Power and their efforts and Green Power and Jeff Pratt and Oglethorpe. Those folks have done a great job. There's Mm -hmm. been no upward pressure on the rates, so we've done solar. With solar, there's been no upward pressure. Without adding upward pressure on the rate base, and then We've also enabled a lot more solar. So let's continue doing what we've been doing. Let's do incorporate more distributed generation so that we do like 10% more, so that maybe 80-20 would be my recommendation, 80% large scale and 20% distributed generation. We need to continue to make our programs simpler and much more of a standing program so that you, if you're a business and you're planning, you can plan easier and you can take the time needed to safely add these systems to your facilities. Um, we'd like to see the community solar program that Georgia Power has uh, become a more robust and more widely adopted How program. About We'd like to see um, a continuation of making large companies like Facebook came to Georgia and they said, we want to invest billions in Georgia and we want solar and they're going to do 400 megawatts of solar, which is about $400 million worth of solar. So, you know, those are opportunities to bring investment to the state. Uh, It's a very pro-business position and one that's good for our utilities and and good for jobs and economic development. Well, what about tariffs? I mean, is is this hurting you or is it not? Well, in solar, the tariffs have definitely been a headwind, and there's really kind of two pieces to it. One is there was a period of uncertainty, and the uncertainty was actually worse than the tariff itself. So you had many people that were doing business planning, and they said, we're going to wait and see what this tariff does to our business. So once the tariff was announced, solar panel prices started moving back down as they've done. Once again, solar has dropped about 80% in the last eight years. So a lot like flat panel televisions, which seem to be in every room I go in now. Oh, boy. Um, you know, they're low cost and they're everywhere. And there's one right above my head here in the studio. So solar panels are following that same cost compression and that same, you know, kind of mainstream adoption that we've seen with personal computers or cell phones or flat panel televisions. Well, it strikes me that that cost piece is so important because in our research, we see, you know, consumers across the country have been getting this message that you're just sharing with us now, right? That, that you know, the price of solar is coming down. It's a lot cheaper. And then, you know, utility offering comes out and it's, you know, pay extra for for solar. And the customer sitting there scratching their head saying, wait a minute, I've been hearing that this is cheaper and you're asking me to pay more. So I think that, that what we've talked about here is really important, right, in terms of the adoption, making sure that there's that downward pressure on rates and that, you know, if there is a specific solar offering, that customers see that benefit coming through to them, right? Is it not true that solar is the cheapest form of energy in the United States now? I mean, you've got solar, wind, coal, natural gas. I mean, it sort of it goes up from there, and then we get to other radioactive sources. But, I mean, the point is we've got, we've got multiple layers of costs, and, uh, and that's, what I, that's what I love about solar is it's cheap, cheap, cheap. So on a cost per kilowatt basis, solar is the cheapest form of generation that we have. And it is the fastest growing form of new generation. So as as systems add solar. Now, you know, you need to do good integrated resource planning because solar is a peaking resource. The sun doesn't shine at night. So you have to balance base load and peaking need. And then incorporate batteries more intelligently. So in the integrated resource plan, I would like to see more battery storage pilots of all sizes. So not just one or two little small ones, but let's do some large scale, let's do some medium scale, let's do some on these military bases so that we continue to strengthen the DOD capabilities in our state, which are really important, and we make it available you know, to other 
companies that are coming in like data centers and others. So, James, I'm going to ask you a really practical question that I don't think we've talked about on the show, which is how long do these solar panel systems last and, and what do you do with them when they're, they're no longer working? So solar panels are a really unique product because they come with a 25-year production warranty. And they're designed to be in the environment. They last a long time. They don't have any moving parts. It's glass. It's a, an aluminum frame in some cases. Some cases, they don't even have a frame. They have um, silicon in most cases or cadmium telluride in other cases. And those products can be easily recycled. There's not a lot of recycling going on right now because they haven't come to end of life. So there's not a lot of volume in recycling. So therefore, the supply chain has not yet developed. Well, that's good to know. But the materials that are in there have a value, a salvage value that can be extracted. And as we have that opportunity, the, the recyclers are sitting there ready to build that industry. Interesting. Okay, I like it. I love it. Um, what's the biggest question you get about solar? I think the biggest question is around cost and economics, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you have people that will say that used well, to be we, hard. Now we it's easy. looked we <laughs> looked at solar three years ago and it was too expensive. And it's like, right? well, you know, let's revisit that. Let's look at the real numbers today and look at the economics and the cost of solar panels that are in the market right now. Right, and are you see what 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 mix of solar and solar and batteries are you seeing both residential and commercial customers? Well, our focus is utility and industrial, so there's not a lot of batteries and storage being used in the solarized residential programs. I'm told that the numbers about forty to forty five percent of the homes will have battery storage. That's a lot. Wow, great information. When we come back, James, I want to talk about this UGA project that you guys did on Millage Avenue uh, that, that folks can see if they go out and you know watch a soccer game or go out to the livestock uh, arena or the, to see football practice out there. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters, and we'll be back in just a minute. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could tack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Row. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Well, this has been an interesting uh, topic with uh, some great people. First, let's thank our sponsors. Uh, Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG's transaction, litigation, regulatory, privacy counselors serve clients in healthcare, real estate, litigation, business transactions, fintech, global commerce, government investigations, logistics, and transportation. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters, where we're helping you save money, we're helping you use technology. And we're helping you be more sustainable. We have got one of the sustainability gurus here in the form of James Marlowe, uh, founder of Radiant Solar. And uh, my friend Casey Boyce is joining Commissioner Tim Eccles uh, here to uh, talk really more about solar in Georgia. Uh, Casey? Yeah, so before the break, Tim was talking about this project that UGA's done on Millage Avenue, and I, I don't know about this project, James. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I'd be happy to. It's one of the favorite projects that I've worked on. We had the pleasure of working with Georgia Power on a research and development project 
that they conducted with the Electric Power Research Institute and the University of Georgia. It's on Millage Avenue, and it is a, about um, 11 acres of land, and it has about seven different types of solar all on one site so that they can compare and contrast seven different types, different what, types of what technologies. What kind of types of solar are there? So they have a dual-axis tracker, which will track on both axes, so that it will capture so kind of more sunlight sun. and follow the sun. They have single-axis trackers, which are a little bit like level or blinds. They'll roll with the sun and produce about 20% more energy. There are fixed arrays at different orientations so that you can capture more uh, sunlight in the summertime versus the wintertime, oh, where it's yeah. more productive. Yeah. They have a battery backup test there, and they also have special inverter. The inverter transfers uh, DC power into AC power, and they can control those remotely and do some things to test smart inverters. So uh, it's a really exciting project, and it's really really pretty cool to, to see if you're at the soccer field there. That's the really cool. Field. So what, what kinds of things uh, is UGA learning from this array or, or Georgia Power? Or are you like what, what are you getting out of it? Well, I think they're able to, to learn the benefits of different orientations, so how you site solar. Uh, they're looking at, you know, some of the vegetation um, the turf management school is looking at. So there are a number of things that the school is able to do, and it's also got an educational component. I bet students just eat this stuff up. I mean, who do you find? Your employees, for example. You're a huge job creator here in Georgia. All these solar companies are. It's the fastest growing. Isn't it right that solar is... One of the fastest growing. We have around forty three hundred employees now, so it's been a high growth area, and we get people from Tech and Emory and UGA and other. other I love schools. your story. Seven people to forty three hundred people since two thousand and eight or whenever it was. Um, so you're finding you're finding people right out of school. Are you seeing? And I'm in the world of energy efficiency. College students want to talk to me about this. They're attracted to it because it's environmentally friendly. It's innovative. They're interested in my space. Are you finding the same thing? And when you hire, when you do doing new hires, who are those people? Well, we hire all types of people, and most of them do believe in sustainability, and they believe that what we do has a societal benefit, that we help people save money and reduce cost, but we also have a reduced environmental impact and that we impact air quality and water quality. Um, so people from construction fields come to us, people that are recent college grads come to us that might want to work in design, uh, they may want to work in marketing or sales. So, you know, we need all disciplines, uh, you know, in this industry. So if I'm going to school right now and I'm picking a major and I want to work in the solar field, what, what should I major in? What do I need well, to Well, you know, I think technical backgrounds are always really helpful. Not so, a history degree. So that the, the history degree um, is a good degree as well because we want creative thinkers that might want to work in marketing or they might want to work in, in a customer-facing side of the business. So we, we have a real mix of, of talented people in our company and in the industry. That's a good point. That's a good point because you got to sell this stuff. I mean, you got to have salespeople. You've got to have installers and not just installers. Um and you got to have engineers to engineer that. I, I've, I've been to your office. I've seen some of these desks as, as big as this control room where people are laying out plans and you're, and you're looking at what it looks like on top of, a, of an industrial building and how what all the interconnections are and all the panels and how they're going to be uh, put down there. I mean, that's, that's not easy, and that takes Georgia Tech grads. That takes It's, it's electrical it takes. engineering, mechanical engineering, yeah. structural engineering, you know, geotechnical work so that we know what's in the soils. And then you have solar um, specialties looking at, you know, what would the performance of a solar array be if you used a different type of equipment or had a different orientation. So on that note, what's been the most difficult solar project that you've been involved in and why? Well, We've done about 350, and I always Holy say we, we haven't had an easy one yet. You know, that they all have a challenge of some sort. You just sometimes don't know what that challenge will be. It's the ones he be. lost money on. Those are the ones he's going to be like, oh, they stunk. I don't know. I think we, we've learned a lot in that uh, decade of experience and that we, we continue to learn and we continue to use new equipment. I mean, we're constantly using new technologies, new approaches. Um, I'm going to leave here today and go to a project here in athens Clark County at their water treatment facility, and we're working with some guys from MIT on a new racking system that uses pneumatics. So there's always something to learn. There's always something to, to try to improve these technologies. So you mentioned earlier that solar has an impact on water quality. And you're headed over to this project with athens Clark County. What's the impact of solar on water or water on solar? Like what? what? Well, the water energy nexus is, a, a, to me, a fascinating topic. But our lights here in Georgia 
Um, if you're on Georgia Power, they use about 1.6 gallons of water for every every kilowatt generated. And wow. most people don't really make that connection. But if you're using thermoelectric, so if you're using coal or natural gas, Infernal you use combustion. water for cooling. If you're using a nuclear yeah. plant, so that water and the connection plant. to energy yeah. is really vital and right. that you know we have we're now a state of, of i guess uh, 12 plus million people and we're going to be a state of 15 million people so water is important uh, for energy it's important for agriculture it's important for our cities so water and energy are very very interrelated so at wastewater treatment plants they obviously use a lot of energy to treat water uh, then to recondition it so pumping of water so uh, there's even some people that believe about 50 percent of our energy is used in water-related tasks. That's so incredible. Crazy. That is incredible. Yeah, pumping the water up and down. I mean, you got to get it, then you got to filter it, then you got to get it to the house, then you got to deal with the waste and pump all that stuff up and down. And holy mackerel! Yeah, I wouldn't tell that. Yeah, so I mean, this is something that we haven't really touched on on the show, have we? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think most people realize that there's this, as you said, energy-water nexus, right? That you know, solar power helps preserve water for other uses and helps reduce the amount of electricity that's used for, you know, cleaning and transporting drinking water. So what do you think the future of solar is in the United States and in Georgia? Well, the only thing I'm absolutely certain of is that there's going to be a lot more solar and that, you know, the rate of adoption will vary. Uh, One of the most interesting things Georgia Power is using in some of their presentations is a graph of the energy mix that shows in the next three years that 13% of our energy will come from solar, and that's an equal percentage to nuclear. And over what period? So that will be, um, once again, in the next three years when they complete many of the projects that are still under development. But... We'll that's up, that's up from zero. That's up from zero when we started 11 years ago. So right. there's been a, a very strong uptake of solar in Georgia because the economics are driving it. You know, we've got a good rational economic model that is having our utilities use a lot more solar because it is more cost effective for them to do so. And it is the role of Tim's Public Service Commission to come in and say, this is the mix we want. We want more solar. We want nuclear in his case. Uh, we want less coal. Uh, we want more natural gas. What, whatever that mix is, that's his responsibility and the Public Service Commission's responsibility. And your advocacy is for more solar because it's green, because you're a free market capitalist, you'd like to make a little money, and because you see it as a low-cost alternative to all the other stuff. It just makes economic sense. Yeah, and the Public Service Commission, as we look at things, I mean, reliability is very important to us. I mean, clearly, with the state, mostly run by Republicans, you know, at this point, we still exclusively want to, run. By yeah, we still want to keep we still want to keep economic development and jobs at the forefront. Uh, it's very, very important to us, and as long as the Republicans are, are running the state, I think that's going to continue to be oh, the driving please. force. So it's not that I am. You know, Adam Ant for nuclear power. I mean, yes, it's it's important. I, I see nuclear energy and renewables really going together, moving us towards, you know, a, a, a carbon-free future. And I don't think that we can get there, John, without nuclear energy. We can't. I see just... the little girl walking down the, the in the daisy field and the little mushroom cloud behind. I mean, that's I, I see a whole different walking through the through the through the forest of flowers. Yeah, but there, there, um, yeah. there just hasn't been that mushroom cloud here in the United States. Uh, you, you can't no. you can't show me a mushroom cloud. No, no, no and you won't one. see a mushroom cloud. You do have to go to Russia to see the mushroom. Yeah, cloud. Yeah, there was a mushroom or the cloud Pacific Ocean there. to see and, the radioactive you know cloud. Yeah. To, to be fair, we can't yeah. afford a catastrophic accident anywhere in the world every fifteen years. That that no, is yeah, not true. going to help the nuclear. But one thing we know business. is that his solar farm he's building in South Georgia won't have an accident. The sun, the you know, the, we we never hear uh, the sun came up and it's been a terrible uh, spill of solar sun, solar radioactive. Uh, solar solar radioactive spill is a great day. Solar spill is a great day, <laughs> not a not a bad day of coal ash or whatever else. So I, I I think what we can agree to is that solar energy is clean, it is green, and it is low cost. And uh, I'm so personally, I'm so grateful for James Marlowe and people like him that got in the solar business and doing this. And frankly, I'm grateful for people like Commissioner Eccles who've who've advocated as much as I want to wring his neck sometimes on other issues. He's advocating for solar. He's doing a lot of the right things. Uh, and uh, I look forward to arguing with him on other stuff, though. 
You know, and, and I think we end this segment talking about exactly what we began the segment with, and that is that you don't have to completely agree with a person in order to make progress. And, I mean, this radio show, the way we do this show uh, is, is case in point. Uh, that we we try to feature the best of ideas. Uh, we, we try to bring the brain trust of sustainability to the microphone, and we will continue to do that. Well, stick around. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk about ways to help the poor in our state, uh, particularly with energy assistance. James, thank you for being here. Uh, keep up the great work. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by the Racy Anderson Highway. And welcome back to Energy Matters. We want to help you save money to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. In the studio with me, Casey Boyce, who works as the Senior Product Director for Market Strategies, and Mike Bradford, who runs the Project Share Program at the Salvation Army. And before we get into talking about Project Share, we'd like to thank our sponsors uh, for Energy Matters. Uh, support for Energy Matters comes from the Ray, an 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 near LaGrange, running to the Alabama line. The Ray is an independent nonprofit that seeks to catalyze the interstate corridor and its exits into a global model for regenerative transportation. Executive Director Ali Kelly believes that roads can be safe, sustainable, and regenerative. See more at theray.org to see how they make this part of Interstate into a living laboratory. And it is a living laboratory, and we've had Allie on the show, and we'll, I'm sure, have her back. She's an expert on a lot of things. Well, Mike, welcome to Energy Matters. Thank you, Commissioner. I'm happy to be here. And Project Share matters, doesn't it? It uh, certainly does. And I know that John Noel has been giving a dollar to Project Share for 20 years, and I give to Project Share through Jackson EMC, and a lot of people check that box on their utility bill. Uh, tell us how Project Share came about, and then I want to get into how the money's used. Well, it goes back to the late 70s and early 80s when the Salvation Army of Georgia noticed that energy challenges for low-income people were disrupting their entire household. And studies have shown since then that that's exactly what happens when utility service is threatened or lost, that parents start missing work, children start missing school. And so a household that's already vulnerable uh, becomes in a critical situation. And they noticed also there were no specific funds available to address energy assistance. And so they started one. And so Project Share is unique because these utilities match it dollar for dollar. And I often have people come to me and they they feel like utilities should be more generous or that utilities should you know to be run like a charity sometimes and i and i try to tell them wait a second this is not the purpose of the utility but project share i guess is the closest we come to making the utility a charity well that's true and certainly with our first and still primary partner georgia power uh, they've been extraordinarily generous, uh, first providing dollar-for-dollar dollar matching for their customers' contributions now for 33 years. That has meant millions, tens of millions of dollars for the program that the Salvation Army otherwise would not have had the resources to provide low-income people facing challenges of energy assistance. And we're also, by the way, able to assist with housing costs as well. So not only has Georgia Power been generous and other utilities have joined in the intervening years, but uh, there are also 
also very gracious in allowing us to assist people with uh, needs that uh, go to the very heart of their family security and safety and stability. So I, I do market research looking at utility customers across the country. And one of the things that we ask folks is, what causes they'd like to see their utility support in their community. And almost without exception, the number one or number two cause across the country is supporting low-income families. And I mean, here is a great program that's been around for decades, really, and given millions, tens of millions of dollars to folks who have need within the state of Georgia uh, and elsewhere. What, what could utilities and others be doing to help make customers aware of Project Share and, and how it can help their friends and neighbors that may be in need? Well, uh, like any advertising, the more often that the product is mentioned, the more effective it is. But also, people think of giving to the Salvation Army as well as to programs that benefit uh, energy assistance during the winter heating season, even in Georgia. So during that time, Georgia Power especially and many of our other partners emphasize the program through the billing, uh, through newsletters, through bill inserts. And uh, in, in some cases, uh, major media campaigns on behalf of Project Share. And is that need, does that continue through the summer? I mean, I know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Our, our workload never varies very much. Uh, now, the demand on us varies, but uh, we're limited by the amount of funding and staff that we have to respond to it. But we're just as busy in July as we are in January. You know, when a person loses their power and they're sitting there in the dark, worrying their food is starting to go bad right their their refrigerator and the the freezer is defrosting and you know they their kids can't do any homework on the computer Um, if it's in the summertime they're getting really hot so what are some of the what are some of the unintended consequences of a person's power going out? Well, I mean, we all have the experience of the power going out in a storm, maybe for a few hours, uh, maybe for a few days even in an ice storm or something like that. But uh, once it goes beyond that, you begin to see the extremely serious consequences uh, of lack of proper refrigeration, lack of pop uh, proper heating, especially in the wintertime, of course, and they bring in alternative methods of heating that are not safe, that need to be vented, and of course they really can't be uh, when they're portable kerosene heaters or something like that. Candles come into play, things that are a threat uh, to the, the health and the safety of the people in that household with those alternative methods. We were talking recently with Pago Utilities. Uh, they handle the prepay system for Georgia Power. And looking at how much that is helping people reduce the debt load that they have with the power company, people that are behind in their in their payments, and these low income and it's not always low income folks that are on the prepay system, but they're beginning to think about their utility more. Besides just at the end of the month or when they get the notice that they're going to be disconnected, they're beginning to think about it more on a daily basis. They're beginning to manage that in a better way. Have you seen some positive benefits from the prepay program with Georgia Power? Well, one of the first positives is is Georgia Power allows the customer to transfer any outstanding balance on the regular account to the prepay account. And so then interest-free at 25 cents on the dollar each time they make a payment to their prepay account goes to address that deferred balance that they're carrying. Uh, I mean, that has to be paid sooner or later by someone. And uh, so uh, that is a good way to handle it uh, on uh, a 25 cents on the dollar basis over a long period of time. And there's no time limit on that. The Salvation Army... You have several slogans, but one of them is neighbor neighbors helping neighbors. Right. And I know that working with you these years, uh, it, it's helped me, I think, be more compassionate. I mean, I, I have to admit that in the early days, I was a little judgmental. I, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, people should be more responsible. They, it, it, but people get into difficult situations, and they can't always help that maybe they lose a job or maybe they maybe they've had a health crisis uh what are some of the situations you see and i'm sure i'm sure it breaks your heart but how do you keep from being cynical or 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 growing weary in this work 
Well, I, I'm glad that you have developed in your thinking, Commissioner, and a lot of people have in the past 10 years, especially after the economic challenges we've had in the last 10 years. Many people who never considered that they would be in a position that they couldn't pay their power bill have been in that position, and that has a way of focusing uh, the mind on what other people go through on a daily basis. And so, um, uh, it is a uh, our caseworkers, especially who are on the ground every day, meeting these clients face to face. Um, it is a tough job, but we're grateful that we're there able to address the challenges that they're facing and have a solution to some degree to what they're dealing with. You said many folks have been in a position where they've needed energy assistance over the past years. And I'm just curious if you can give us a sense of, of the scope, like how, how many Georgians or what percentage of Georgians find themselves in the situation where they can't pay their power bill? Well, I don't know that I can give you a percentage, but we we have the funds and we have the wherewithal and we do serve about uh, 20,000 people a year through Project SHARE. And, pretty significant. Um, it, it is significant, and um, the unmet need is definitely out there. And uh, we're here with Commissioner Eccles, and we're also able to help people with their natural gas bills as a result of the support and leadership of the commissioner. So we've had an additional $2 million in the past five years to address the needs there. And so it just seems that whatever we're able to provide to people, there are always... You know, there are 10 people waiting to receive the one benefit that's available. So what you're saying is if our listeners have not donated to Project Share or maybe they've not donated a lot, there's a great opportunity to do so and provide assistance to a lot more Georgians who could use the assistance. That's definitely true. And the standard donations through Georgia Power especially are one, two, five, or $10 per month. And that appears as a line item charge on the bill every month. And then, of course, in Georgia Power's case, they will match that dollar for dollar. Mike mentioned uh, the Public Service Commission assisting the Salvation Army, and that really came from what an earlier guest on an earlier show, Meredith and PJ from Gas South, they were talking about the sequent payment, the the folks that arranged the the transportation for natural gas from uh, you know from Louisiana up into Georgia, as well as the the fees paid by what's called an interruptible gas customer. And that's not a resident. That is a company who has basically said, look, if our gas system gets into a, a crisis or it's a really cold day and you need you know, to reduce pressure, cut our gas off. We won't manufacture our chips or our widgets or whatever. Those folks are paying into this universal service fund. And it is out of that fund that the legislature has allowed the commission to either build more pipes, give refunds to customers, which we've done both of those, or to provide funds for low-income heating assistance. And that's what we did in the case of the Salvation Army. And you guys have done such a great job, Mike, in being able to help the poorest in our state. Thank you, Commissioner. If I could just add, Gas South is also a corporate sponsor of Project Share. Gas South customers can go online and uh, and find Project Share and the method for donating to the program there as well. Are there other utilities in the state that are participating in Project Share? That, that yes, quite a up? few. Uh, many of the uh, electric membership corporations uh, throughout the state uh, contribute. Uh, and our newest member is the uh, Athens Public Utilities. And so if people will go online and find the um, Athens Public Utilities site, they'll be able to to contribute to Project Share, as a matter of fact, to assist with water bills. Great. I, I sure hope that you, our listener, will do that either on you know your Georgia Power Bill or your water bill or another bill. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters. We're going we're gonna to come back with... Mike and talk more about Project Share and more about the poor and being able to help uh, the neediest in our culture. I'm Tim Eccles. I serve on the Georgia Public Service Commission and I'm your host for Energy Matters. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarservice.com to find out more. That's G E M CarService.com. 
Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Welcome back. I'm Tim Eccles, your host of Energy Matters. With me, Casey Boyce and Mike Bradford from the Salvation Army's Project Share. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Commissioner. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you working on behalf of the poor in our state. I know that I'll get calls on my phone, both my cell phone, because I publish my cell phone, and my office phone. Uh, I'd say once a week from a person that's managed to get my number somehow and get through, and they tell me their story. And it's not too unusual for me to email you and no, say, and I'm say, Mike, always happy to get those emails. Yeah, and say, <laughs> Mike, can you look at this? Uh, because it's oftentimes you've got a file on the person, you've got more information, and that's one of the things I love about working with the Salvation Army. Honestly, I just feel so ill-equipped to help people in distress or in great need because I just don't have all the information. How important? is it to have the tools and the information to be able to effectively help a person? Well, it is very important. And previously you asked how we deal with such difficult situations on a daily basis, but we do have staff who are professionally trained to deal with these situations and to really get to the heart of the matter of why the household is in crisis and then make an assessment to determine, is there anything that we can do, not only Project Share, but other services of the Salvation Army that uh, are wraparound services that could uh, alleviate the situation from recurring and intervene basically to stop the cycle of need in a household, which is just an incredible thing to be able to do. Let's review Project Share for those just tuning in. It's a, it's a program that I participate in on my, uh, on my, on my Jackson EMC bill. And I've participated when I've been a Georgia Power customer. A number of EMCs do this. But how does the program work? How do you describe it to people? Well, uh, as I also mentioned, uh, Georgia Power was our original partner 33 years ago. And they continue to be our primary partner since they have uh, more than two and two and a quarter million customers throughout the state. Um, It's as simple as going online to your local utility company, especially power utility, but also some gas like Gas South and looking for energy assistance and there you'll find project share if they are a partner with the instructions on how by simply signing up to give one two five or ten dollars in most cases you can contribute to this statewide program that's available in virtually every county in the state addressing the need of people who are worried almost every day about whether the power will be on whether the gas will be on whether water will be on and uh, whether they can continue with their normal life that we all take for granted. You know, there are people out there that are cynical about utilities. uh, And and frankly, in a town like Athens, you've got a lot of people just kind of cynical about corporate America in general. But I want to tell our listeners here that these utilities are then matching these contributions uh, in most cases and essentially doubling your contribution. So Georgia Power's, you know, through the years, given millions of dollars. Actually, uh, Commissioner, about $75 million uh, strictly through Georgia Power customers in the match, corporate match. Wow. So you uh, trigger you trigger a matching corporate contribution when you check that dollar, $2, $5 uh, on, on your bill. Yes, and Georgia Power has also invested quite a bit in promoting the program. Uh, which is a benefit not only to people who are able and interested in contributing, but also to people who are in need, knowing the program exists. Mike, you you talked about people who are worried kind of day in, day out about whether their power or water or gas is going to be on. And, you know, we've talked about the energy burden with you already. Can you tell us kind of what that means for folks, both in general, when we talk about energy burden, what is that? And then some real specific examples. Do you have any any? Sure, Casey. Uh, Well, energy burden is something of a technical term uh, among people who deal with uh, energy issues, but basically it's a percentage of what your available income is in your household, the cost of your energy compared to that. 
And uh, there's a certain percentage that's reasonable for all of us, uh, even though many of us uh, who have the, the resources sometimes uh, look at a very high energy bill and wonder about that. But uh, there are people where the energy bill is the largest expense of the entire household. More which, than food, more yeah, than transportation. Yes, yes. Wow. And even in some cases, more than the housing costs that they are experiencing. So uh, that energy burden as a percent of their costs uh, to income is very high and, and you know off the chart, basically. One of the things that I've introduced this year at the at the commission through our integrated resource plan is an idea that I learned about out in the Arkansas Delta uh, called pay as you save. And it involves doing energy efficiency upgrade on homes that are owned by the poor who can't afford to do them. And then changing the amount that they're paying per kilowatt uh, for their electricity in order to pay for that. So whether they move uh, or, or, or whether the house is sold, it doesn't matter. It's not going to follow them. It's going to stay with the house until that new HVAC system is paid for or that insulation is paid for. And we're going to do a pilot, uh, I hope, uh, that will probably be a couple of hundred homes to test this and to see does it work, you know, to, to help – relieve part of that energy burden when you do these upgrades. Yes. And anything that can increase the efficiency of the homes of people who are income challenged uh, is a benefit all the way around. Uh, and that is a problem that we see on a daily basis is that there is quite a bit of substandard housing in the state of Georgia. And of course, the people who are living in those homes uh, are the ones facing challenges uh, economically up and down the line. So any improvement that could be made there would be an automatic improvement in their overall financial stability. Well, and a lot of utilities across the state, including Georgia Power, have you know rebates or incentives to either make the cost of some of those things nothing. I know a number of utilities give away light bulbs, um, for instance, um, or to significantly reduce them. So really being able to tie that in so that that energy burden, is, as you spoke about, isn't so high to begin with, right? That's right. And anyone can also research that on the individual websites of their utility company to determine what programs or uh, services, uh, even including energy audits that are generally provided to customers free of charge, where the power company comes out to determine exactly what is the situation with your furnace, uh, with your electrical appliances, with the feed into your home to be sure that everything is, is working properly and not draining energy and uh, increasing your costs. Casey, I remember uh, Georgia Power coming out to my Winterville home, and they'll do this for anyone, and doing an energy audit and discovering that my downstairs HVAC unit really was running too much, right? So I, I didn't know that. I, I wasn't timing it, listening to how how much it Does cycled, time it? cycled on and off. I'm sorry? Does anyone time it? I don't pay attention I, I, to I don't how think anybody <laughs> times their HVAC system, but... Georgia Power came out and ran some tests and said, you know, look, your HVAC downstairs unit needs to be replaced. And we were uh, we were able to get that replaced actually through the home warranty that we had purchased on the home. Uh, we just didn't know that it was bad because it was working and it was it was cooling, but it was working too hard. Yeah. So you've seen that on a lot of houses before. Yeah, for sure. There, like you said, Mike, there's a lot of substandard housing out there. Um, you know, things that have been built. Uh, you know, back when energy codes weren't nearly as good as they are now, or equipment that's not been maintained. Um, but I think Tim, this this pay as you save program is fantastic, right? Because we're talking about people who, as you said, Mike, energy may be the biggest part of their household expense, right? So they're not necessarily going and replacing their HVAC unit because they simply don't have the money. So I love the idea of being able to put it on the bill and having net savings even as they are you know, saving money and energy. Not too long ago, I had uh, a nonprofit come into my office. It's the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy, and they, you know, they are regular in, in the PSC, but they brought in a map with uh, with three census tracts in Atlanta that have the highest energy burden. And I, I think it came came alive for me then that, wait a second, there are specific geographical places that have a higher burden. And maybe it's because homes in that area are older. 
uh, or there's blight in that area. Uh, I, I don't know, but we're going to go into those particular uh, areas, and we're going to attend a neighborhood meeting, me and Sace and some other folks. We're going to talk to, to the residents, and we're hopefully going to be able to sign some of them up for the pay-as-you-save program and be able to try to actually change the numbers, Casey, in those census blocks. So I'm anxious to see if this works. And that's great because we've seen that work really well in other, uh, with other utilities in neighboring states. So Duke Energy in the Carolinas and SE&G next door in South Carolina, they, they do what they call neighborhood swarms. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's going into areas where they could use the help in connecting to utility programs that help them save money, whether it's a pay-as-you-save or a you know rebate or incentive or an energy audit program. And they just go out in mass to neighborhood meetings, knock on doors, and make sure that the residents they are aware of the things that are, are out there that can help them. And, and maybe you're listening and you want to be involved in helping us in a neighborhood swarm. Uh, just go to Twitter and hit me up at Matters Radio, uh, or you can send me an email, Tim, at TimEccles.com, and we'd love to get you involved with that. In our last few minutes, Mike, I want to ask you about some of the other Salvation Army ministries. Uh, I, I know I created the Unholy Tour in Atlanta that brings attention to the, the, the harm of human trafficking. You all have the Haven Atlanta Safe House Facility, right, and, and other that, ministries. That's right, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Haven Atlanta, uh, a lot of people are not aware of the fact that the Salvation Army is involved in such a broad range of social services. Uh, they know, they might know about us from disaster services and uh, drug rehabilitation programs, but the Salvation Army nationally and internationally is very, very active and a leader in um, human trafficking issues. And we're proud to have the facility that we have in Atlanta, which is also, it's a model for many others, not only in the Army, but uh, for other organizations as well to address uh, this very, very terrible problem in, in Atlanta, especially, and Georgia. Well, thank you for your great work with Project Share, and, and God bless you as you continue to, to help neighbors help other neighbors. And, uh, and, and in that, we can have a better state. Well, thank you for listening to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, and I hope you'll tune back in uh, every Saturday to learn how you can save money, to utilize technology, and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the Project Share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.